Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Perdón. I learned that in Spanish class. Or disculpe. Anyone? Thought I'd get a cheer for that, but thanks. No, that's fine. It's, that's honestly, it's fine. That thing got very tall. Um, okay, question for you guys. How many of you guys have ever, in your life, just had a bad day? Like a really bad day. Nothing's going right. You're failing all your classes one day. You know, one day you have all A's, the next day everyone's out to get you. Having a bad day? Okay. Well, uh, one of my favorite podcasters, her name is Annie. Uh, I follow her on Instagram. And Annie saw this rhythm in her life that it seemed that every Tuesday something went wrong. So Annie uh, made this hashtag called Tuesday You Ain't Cute. Um, And so she started posting all of this stuff that would happen on a Tuesday, like a flat tire, or she was super late, or she woke up and like her eye was swollen shut. Like all this stuff happens on a Tuesday for her. So she said, hashtag Tuesday You Ain't Cute. And all these people that follow her, I just spit on you, Octavia. All these people that followed her were like, you know what? Tuesdays are really bad for me too. So they started hashtagging things. Tuesday, you ain't cute. Um, So I pulled some up up here, if you guys would put them on the screen, of a couple that were just kind of funny, maybe. The first one is lady was making cookies and goes to her spice cabinet. And obviously they look very similar, cumin and cinnamon. I can't exactly tell you what cumin tastes like, but I know it's not sweet. So that's probably disgusting. Hashtag Tuesday ain't cute. Uh, The next one looks like a normal nasty trash can with a diaper in it. Uh, This woman threw away her keys in the trash can. So she had to dig through the nasty diaper filled trash can. Um, Any of you guys in here throwing away your retainers in the trash can before and had to dig them out? Yeah. Uh, And then the last one personally resonates with me. Just spilled coffee. That's never good. Literally a week ago, I spilled coffee all over myself. Like, had it in my hand and just threw it. I don't know why, but I just threw it on myself. Hashtag Tuesday, you ain't cute. Um, Hey, I know all of you have phones. Um, If you have a Bible on your phone, why don't you pull that out? Don't be distracted by Twitter and TikTok and whatever you guys use, Snapchat. Um, But pull out your Bible app. And click to the book of Ruth, okay? Because I need you looking at it because it's a book that I'm not going to be able to read all four chapters to you. So I need you looking at it as we talk about it so you know what's going on, okay? We're talking about this idea of sticking with a friend in pain, okay? Here's why I think this is an important topic, Octavia. Because I think everybody in here has dealt with some sort of pain in their life. I don't think anybody in here is immune to something going wrong, having a bad day, and more than just I put cumin in my cookies other than cinnamon. So I think it's important that we're talking about it because it's something that we live with and deal with, right? Pain. It's a part of our human experience, if you will, to get psychological. Um, But we're looking at this story of two women, like Drake said, Naomi and Ruth, okay? And their story, I'll just preface it with this, their story was not that they threw away their car keys in a trash can. Okay, their story is not just a bad Tuesday 
or an uncute Tuesday. Um, their story is a little more like man. And so we're going to look at their story of how they know one another, what happens, and how they stick together as we talk about this idea of sticking with a friend in pain. So are you guys at Ruth, the book of Ruth in the Old Testament? Good. Okay. So Ruth 1.1. Okay. Look at it with your eyes. It sets up the scene and the scenario of what's going on. Right. It starts with, in the days the judges ruled and there was a famine in the land. Pause. With your finger there. Already our story is not starting out super well. Okay, when the judges ruled, you can probably guess that um, what's happening with Israel in this time period is chaos. They are sinful, they're idolatrous, um, so things aren't going super awesome. And then there's a famine in the land, lack of food. Keep going. Verse 1 says, So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Okay. The book of Ruth then tells us their names. The man's name is Elimelech, and his wife's name is Naomi, and his sons are Malon and Kilion, because I'm pronouncing those exactly correct. Um, and they go to escape this famine to Moab. And back in history, Moab was like hostile to Israel, okay? Israel would have seen them as a hostile nation, not a nation that they'd be friendly with, a nation with many gods. It's kind of like if you're a New England Patriots football fan, kind of how every other team views you, okay, is Moab. Like, so this family goes from Bethlehem to Moab to live, okay? So already they're escaping famine, and then it gets worse, okay? Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. All right, so Naomi is with her two sons. She's in Moab. Her husband has died. And so then verse 4 tells us that her sons, they marry Moabite women. Look at verse 4 with me. They married Moabite women named Orpah, not Oprah, um, although that would be cool, Orpah and Ruth. Okay, so Naomi is widowed. But she has her two sons and her two daughter-in-laws that are Moabite women. But not long, about maybe 10 years into living in Moab, tragedy hits the family again. And Naomi's two sons die. So now we have a widow and her two widowed daughters-in-law. So Moab, why are you laughing? Is there weird stuff behind me? Okay. What I say? Oh, okay. Not my fault. I didn't do it. Just kidding. Uh, I mean, I'm not kidding. But so she's with her two widowed daughters-in-law. And Naomi realizes, okay, I don't, like, my people are not in Moab. I'm going to go back home. And she begs her daughters-in-law. She's like, listen, I'm old. I'm not going to have any more children for you to marry. And even if I do, even if the Lord gives me children right now, like, are you going to wait that long to marry them? And she's like, just stay with your people and I'm going to go back. And after a lot of begging, Orpah agrees. She's like, okay, I'll stay. You go. But Naomi, look at verse 16 in chapter 1. She replies, don't urge me to leave you. Or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. 
Ruth, who has just lost her husband as well, going through pain, looks at her mother-in-law. And it's in this moment in our story that I think we begin to see this idea of sticking with a friend. It's a little different because it's daughter-in-law and mother-in-law. But Ruth is pledging her loyalty to Naomi. She's saying, I'm going to go to a foreign land with people that I don't know. And I'm going to reside there. And I'm going to stick with you in your pain. Because in this time, a widowed woman doesn't have a lot of options, right? Can't own land. Can't um, hold the same jobs. Can't afford to protect herself. So Ruth, instead of staying with her people, goes back with Naomi to Bethlehem. Okay, we're in chapter 2 now. Ruth does what maybe any of us would if we didn't have a home and we're going back and we don't have a husband to care for us. And she starts doing what is okay in the law. And that's that foreigners can come in and they can do this thing called gleaning, which I've never done because I'm not a cowgirl or live in the country. And she starts gleaning, so picking like barley and wheat after the workers in this field. Okay, Ruth goes to work. She's going to take care of Naomi. And while she's gleaning, she meets this guy, Boaz. Ladies, this is where you would go. Wow, he's got good character. Okay, somebody just say it. Wow, he's got good character. That's right. She meets this guy, Boaz. And Boaz has heard of what she's done for Naomi. He's heard of her character and how loyal she's been to her mother-in-law. And so Boaz um, lets her glean, lets her sit at the table. They share lunch with the rest of his workers because comes to find out that it's his field that she's gleaning in. And his servants give her water, which in that day would have been backwards. Like usually she's the one, a woman would give water. But Boaz sends his servants to give her water and they eat together. And Boaz is being kind. He's showing kindness to Ruth. So Ruth goes back. And uh, Naomi's ecstatic because, one, she's gleaned from a field. And she comes in and she's like, bless the man who you worked with today. Who was it? Chapter 2, she says this to Naomi. She says, um, it was a man named Boaz. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He's not stopped showing kindness to you, to the living and to the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative, okay? Talk about a small world. You think Web City's small. Close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all the grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you may be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to Boaz and gleaned the barley and wheat until the harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. I'm going to stop the story for a second. So we've seen Ruth stick with Naomi in her pain of losing her husband. And then, I don't, you didn't read it in chapter 1, but you can if you go back and read it. Naomi actually changes her name when she gets back to Bethlehem. She says, call me Mara for I'm bitter. The Lord Almighty has made me bitter. And so she's back home, bitter, at what has happened and what has taken place. And Ruth sticks with her. She pledges her loyalty to her. She says, I'm going to go where you go, and your people are going to be my people, and I'm going to reside with you in your pain. And my question is, what about you? Do you guys have a friend like that? 
that would stick with you in pain, that would possibly leave what's comfortable to be present with you in pain. I'm not asking if you have pain because I know that you do. I get to sit with you guys and, and hear, unfortunately, of some of the things that you guys have to deal with at home and at school and at work. But I'm asking, do you have a friend that sticks with you in pain like Ruth did with Naomi? We'll go back to the story in chapter 2. Ruth continues to work in Boaz's field until the harvest season is over. And Boaz continues to show Ruth kindness. And I think it's at this moment that maybe Ruth starts to understand this idea of someone sticking with her in her pain. She's done it to Naomi, and now Boaz is showing kindness to her and helping her out in a situation that she probably didn't foresee being in. And I wonder, do you have a friend that sticks with you in your pain? So wheat harvest is almost over. We're in chapter 3 of Ruth now. If you look at your Bible, chapter 3, uh, Naomi does what any good mother-in-law would do, and she starts playing the role of matchmaker. Okay, stay away from Drake because he likes this role, so just watch out. Um, but Naomi starts playing this role of matchmaker, and she says, hey, I think it's good, Ruth, that Boaz is showing you kindness. Remember, he's our guardian redeemer. This is kind of weird for us because we don't have anything that I know of like this, but a guardian redeemer back then would be someone that would um, take over like the land and possessions and marry the wife of someone who's deceased. And usually it was um, like a brother or someone close in line, okay? And Naomi's like, hey, remember Boaz, he's got good character. You, it's good that you stay with him. And so she tells Naomi to do all these things that we think are weird, like put on this perfume and go to him in the threshing floor where he's working and uh, lay at his feet and then tell him your intentions that you would like to remain with him, that you would like him to redeem this situation, that you would like to marry him. And Ruth is like, okay, Ruth does this. She goes to Boaz, kind of freaks him out because it's like late at night. He wakes up and he's like, what are you doing at my feet? And she tells him this and he says, okay, crazy, I will do this. I will redeem this situation. He says, but tomorrow I have to go and talk to someone because there's someone actually closer in line to being the guardian redeemer than I am. So he gets up the next day, Ruth goes back home um, and tells Naomi this. And Naomi's like, yep, he's going to do it. He'll go and talk to him tomorrow or today. He goes and talks to the other guy. The other guy basically says, he's like, hey, will you uh, redeem this situation? He's like, yes, I'll take over the land. And he's like, okay, you also have to marry um, Ruth. She's a Moabite. And he's like, oh. I can't do that. So Boaz says, well, I'll do it. Relinquish this and I will do it. And that's crazy. Boaz is potentially risking his reputation to marry this foreign woman, an outcast in Israel, the person walking, I can only imagine, like walking down the fields and they're being like, who is that? What is she doing? Boaz is crazy or kind enough to do this. And I wonder, do you have a friend that would stick with you in pain? Nothing weird, like not a friend that would marry you and redeem, but a friend that would stick with you in pain 
so that the pain would be redeemed. Do you have a friend? I know you have pain, but do you have a friend? So Boaz does this, they get married, they have a kid, but it's crazy, right? I mean, the other guy wouldn't do it, but Boaz does. It's crazy to risk your reputation for a foreigner, an outcast, someone who maybe people would say is unlovable. Who would do that? Why did Boaz do it? Well, I think maybe why he would do it is because his mom was Rahab the prostitute. If you guys have ever heard the story of Jericho, there was a prostitute who lived in Jericho. She hid some spies for Joshua and his people. And because of their faith, they were saved when the whole town of Jericho was destroyed. But Rahab the prostitute and her family, Boaz's mom, was saved because of her faith. And so I think Boaz maybe had a first-hand seat to see what God's kingdom was about. That it was a kingdom of redemption and a kingdom for people that maybe it didn't make a lot of sense to stick with. And so because of Ruth's faith, because of her loyalty to Naomi, Boaz decides, I will redeem this situation because he knows that God's kingdom is a kingdom of redemption. So do you have a friend that sticks with you in pain like this? That is going to reside, dwell with you while you're going through things that maybe don't make sense? A friend that's going to stick with you and point you towards redemption. Your Bible's talking to you, Sydney. It does that sometimes, you know. Cassie. Well, I'm going to answer the question I've been asking, okay, since you guys haven't answered me. I think you do have a friend that would do this. I think you do have a friend that would risk their reputation. Yes, maybe they're sitting next to you in the room. Maybe they're at school. Maybe they're at home. Maybe they can't be here tonight. But even more than them, I think you do have a friend that would risk their reputation, would love the outcast, the foreigner, the unlovable. I think you have a friend that would stick with you in pain. I think you have a friend that would do everything to redeem the situation. Actually, I know that you do. I don't just think. Because Jesus is the friend that sticks with us in pain. Scripture, when it talks about Jesus, it uses a bunch of things to describe him. One of them is priest that he's the greater high priest and that he hasn't endured anything that is like less than we'll endure, or, but definitely more. I think we know that Jesus will stick with us in pain because that's the whole message of the cross, that it's our pain and our punishment and our death that we deserved that he took on. And it's Jesus that actually redeems the pain in every situation that we find ourselves in. So when I ask you if you have a friend like that, Jesus is that friend for you and for me. So for Naomi, it was Ruth. Ruth stuck with her in pain. And for Ruth, it was Boaz. Boaz showed kindness to her, helped her in a situation. 
and then redeemed the situation. And for us, it's Jesus. Jesus is the friend that sticks with us in pain. Jesus is the one that redeems us. And God, at the end of the book, okay, we're in the Old Testament, at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 21, I think, I don't know if he meant to, but there's something that plays on Naomi's loyalty and sticking with a friend in pain that he promises us. He promises in Revelation 21, John is there, he's writing about this, and he says, I heard a loud voice on the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is among men. God will dwell with them and he will be their God. They will be his people and he will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more mourning, no crying, no death, no pain. Naomi had Ruth, Ruth had Boaz, and we have Jesus. Because Jesus is the friend that sticks with us in pain and redeems our pain. All right, so I asked the question, do you have a friend that would stick with you in pain? But I want to ask you a second question. Are you the type of friend that would stick with your friend in pain? So I want to I give you three things, three challenges of how to do this. So if Jesus is the one that can take away our pain, can redeem it, then what you need to do if you have a friend in pain is you need to tell them about Jesus. You need to tell them about the hope that you have, this redemption of Jesus, okay? Second thing, if, if, if they don't, or if they do know about Jesus, then remind them. There's no one that I've ever talked to who's been in pain and who's like, I really appreciate when you say, God gives his hardest battles to his best soldiers. No, but point them to Jesus because it's good to be present in pain with people, but you've got to point them to Jesus. Because there's only so many things we can say that really aren't going to make it better. So point them to Jesus. And third, you're going to get the opportunity to do this in your groups right after this. Is pray for and with your friends. Okay? That's the biggest thing that maybe we um, think is small. We'll say, oh, I'll pray for you. But prayer changes things. Prayer is going on behalf of someone else to God and asking that he would intervene, asking that the situation would change or that he would be glorified in the situation. So you guys get to do that tonight for your friends. You know people, you have many stories, I can imagine, in your halls, in your work environments, at home, of people that you know that need to know the hope of Jesus, need to know that there's someone ultimately that is closer than even you can be for them in pain. So you guys are going to get to do that in connection groups. I'm going to pray over you guys and then dismiss you and you can go with your leaders to your spaces. Okay. Father, thank you for being good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for letting us partner with you. Jesus, thank you for being near, being present, being faithful, and being our redeemer. God, we're we're grateful to be loved and to be known by you. And Lord, would you help us 
be lights in dark places and proclaim the good news of Jesus where people are looking for hope and redemption. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.